check, check. One, two, three, four. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Sneaky Emu. This is a place where we want to discover the beauty of the world and the divine that is ever before us that sometimes we fail to see and overlook. So this is the Sneaky Emu, episode number 29. Episode number 29. I am so grateful that you're here for tuning in, for listening. Uh, I need to give a little bit of an apology uh, for those of you who, um, episode number 28, uh, when I uploaded it had a bit of a an issue, so there was only like originally like 16 minutes that got processed for some reason. Get Big shout out to uh, <clears throat> Mr. Garrett Pratt for letting me know, uh, or else I might not have seen it for a while. <laughs> Uh, but he texted me and said, hey, uh, there's something wrong with the episode. So I uh, quickly made arrangements and fixed that. So if that was you, if you were one of the uh, people, I'm sorry, it's still there. It's in its fullness now at this time, so you can go back and check it out. So episode number 29, um, I, I want to call this a message for my daughter and you. A message for my daughter and possibly you. So um, to, this, this one might be might be kind of, it might be a little heavy. Maybe we're getting into too many heavy things. Maybe the next one we just need to do a little bit lighter. But um, there was this thing that happened. I have a, I have a nine-year-old daughter. And so I, I want to tell you about a particular event, a particular happening that happened, situation we find ourselves in a couple, couple nights ago. Um, and then I want to maybe give you some ways, different ways to think about it that involve thinking about yourself, because what we experienced with her was something that I think that many people wrestle with and deal with. And it was, it was, it was just kind of, it was kind of heartbreaking, um, as a father. And I think and the reason I wanted to talk about it was because one, I I want to maybe someday in the distant future she'll hear some of this. Maybe she'll be embarrassed because <laughs> because of what I said. But also, I I want to kind of document just like a response that maybe she wasn't able to hear at the time, um, but maybe she will hear later in her life. But it's also a response that I think many of us. Uh, wherever you're at in the stage of your life you are, that many of us need to also hear. Uh, so I thought, oh, this is kind of a, maybe let's do this as like like a, a way to mm, speak to some of the human condition, but then also maybe give a, a different, maybe it's not such a different take, but a more tangible take on like, the love of God for his children. Yeah. So, uh, a couple nights ago, um, my, my wife and daughter had been, they were away for the weekend. They were doing a makeup. Um, I don't know if this is a thing either. They went to St. Augustine to visit the fort. We live nearby, well, a couple hour drive. And, uh, you know, she's in fourth grade now. And so part of a, like a fourth grade in Florida, fourth grader in Florida is they typically, they will take a field trip to, um, uh, the fort at St. Augustine, which is really cool. St. Augustine is a great town. Uh, a lot of history, obviously there. 
And uh, I remember going there when I was young as well. And you get to see all this old stuff. And they have the, uh, the, the Fountain of Youth that Ponce de Leon was in search of is around there. Anyways, and so they, they went on this trip. They come back. And then, like, I think it was maybe the night they got back or the, the next night. Um, this thing happened. We put her to bed. It was later than it normally should be. She's nine years old, fourth grade. Um, and so she, we normally have our kids in bed around like eight o'clock, which may seem early to some people may seem later to some people. I don't know. It's what we do. It's built a good rhythm and a good habit for us. It allows the kids to get in bed at a decent hour. And then it gives my wife and I time just to, you know, be with each other rather than always having the kids around. And, uh, but it was later than that. It was, it was probably like, I don't know, maybe pushing nine, 10 o'clock, she had a long weekend. She's exhausted. And so at some point after the kids had gone to bed, my wife was uh, taking something to her room that she had left out. And then I was in the living room and I heard this commotion. And then I hear my daughter like screaming. And so I get up, not not like a scary dream scream, like she's yelling um, at, at my wife. And so I, I kind of run into the room and I grab hold of her because I'm like, what the heck is going on? And as I'm walking into the room, she slings a cell phone uh, <laughs> across the room and she apparently she's taken on the form of a demon. <laughs> it's not, not like an actual demon, just like a mildly possessed demon child. Um, and so that, that, that uh, already gets me a bit hot that she's like losing control over what she's doing. Um, second of all, uh, she doesn't have a cell phone. Um, like we're, we're going to keep our kids uh, from cell phones as, as long as we can. Um, and so the fact that she had, had taken an old cell phone of my wife's and had been using it and I guess, you know, going online and she'd been hiding it. So it's a bit frustrating there as well. This is, all these things are piling up. And so I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, uh, a bit angered to say the least. And, uh, as I'm grabbing a hold of her, like some of her, what, what she's saying, she's like in tears and screaming and crying. And, um, she's going, she, she's going, what, please, please like, leave me alone. Like, I, I know that I already know that I'm a terrible daughter. I know, I know that I know that I never do anything right. And I just, I hate myself. And, and she just keeps going on and on with this like super negative identity stuff. Now I, I'm a bit skeptical sometimes. So I'm wrestling in the moment with uh, going back and forth between is she having this meltdown and making it about herself because she is slightly manipulative and she got busted doing something she shouldn't or is she wrestling with something like deeper some deeper sense of identity right we don't let our kids um really on youtube we don't let them they, they have tablets but it's all kind of restricted we only have one tv in the house we only have one computer um the tv's in the main room so like nobody's looking really watching stuff that they shouldn't be watching, right? She's not, I see some stuff that she tries occasionally, um, just just dumb kid stuff that I'm like, this is so stupid. Um, but there in that moment, in that situation, in the middle of the night, 
uh, she was having this meltdown and she was, she was saying she was trying to look up on the phone, um, how to be a better daughter. And she was really, really panicked about this and really, uh, couldn't stop saying how, like everything she said was about how it was about self-worth, how she wasn't good enough, how she was always in trouble and she just wanted to know how to be a better daughter. You know, and and it absolutely it 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 broke my heart um for many reasons. Uh that being said again, there was still a little hint of is this real? <laughs> it took me it took me a little bit to like see uh, to sort through where she was at and and even if if even if it was even if I got played um to think that my daughter who I love so very deeply and so very dearly was really wrestling uh with what seemed to be this heavy identity crisis and lacking of value and self-worth based on her actions and something that she thinks that I think about her, it was really, really heavy. And so after the kind of anger subsided a little bit, uh, I just, I, I crawled into the bed with her and then just began to hold her and, and I just started talking to her, uh, starting talking to her about about how much we did, uh, my wife and I, Jess, how much we do love her, how much um, we care for her, and uh, it it was it was one of those moments. I think as a parent, uh, and I'm sure there'll be more, but it was just it it hurt it hurt me as a father to think that she thinks so low of herself. And then of course there's some sort of, there's a whole nother conversation about um, uh, the guilt or shame or fear or whatever that, that we experience as parents when we see our kids doing this or experiencing these things. So it, it sparks all this internal conflict within myself as well. But I, I just started to talk to her my wife did as well, and uh, just tried to affirm who she is as a person, how much we love her, how proud of we of her we are, all of the good things that she's capable of, all the good that 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 we see in her, all the potential that we see in her. Affirm to her that you know we we all make mistakes, we all have issues and struggles, and and how we we still love her despite all of this other stuff or in spite of all this other stuff. Um, and I told her a story. Um, I, I, I've kind of been saving this particular story. I, I've given her a brief description of it before, but I've been saving this story for as she gets older because I thought it would be a, a really great story to tell her um, just for as a father to a daughter um, as a way of telling her how much I love her, as a way of communicating um, just how special I think she is. And the story has to do with uh, the, the day she was born or the weekend she was born. And so I began to tell her the story nine, that nine years ago, you know, I said, we, 
<clears throat> we were living in Nashville and uh, Jess was pregnant, of course. <laughs> and then the, we were waiting. And at the time I was doing a couple different jobs, uh, trying to save up some money for the birth of my first child. And I remember I was, I was on the lawn, I was mowing a lawn because I was, I was part of, uh, one of my jobs was landscaping. And then we got the big call from, uh, my mother-in-law who said, it's time. So I hopped off the lawnmower and, uh, made my way to the hospital. So this is, this is the whole thing I'm telling you. I'm telling you, like I'm kind of telling her. And, uh, we spent about the next three days at the hospital and there was a lot that happened in that three days. We had planned on having this, you know, my wife wanted this first child to be, to have this like natural birth. So we had been taking birthing classes, which was a whole different story. Uh, and she went into labor and she pushed for a really long time. Um, my mom was there. My wife's mom was there. My grandparents uh, came, Herschel and Rosemary, because they, um, they're in their 90s now. They've kind of made a thing where they are at every birth of every, like, even grandchild, which is absolutely incredible um, because we have a pretty large extended family. And so Herschel and Rosemary came and they sat in the lobby, you know, in their, what, early 80s. They sat in the lobby for days. Um, and so I'm explaining this to her about the love uh, that was surrounded, that was surrounding her birth. And then um, as, as the weekend progressed, like things didn't go well. There were some complications with, with the delivery. Um, and so she just had to have a C-section. And I remember, so uh, I, I don't do well with, <laughs> with, with blood. And so I was telling, I was making a joke about how, you know, they, I got to put on this blue gown and go into the operating room with, with Jess and, and how, I just kept my head next to hers because I didn't want to see, <laughs> I didn't want to see them <laughs> cut her open because it's gross. Um, but then they, they, they took Ella out and uh, I got to hold her and it was, you know, of course that proud parent moment, especially on your first one. And I told her about how I was um, such a sissy when it comes to this stuff that I didn't even want to cut the, uh, the, <laughs> the umbilical cord. <laughs> So she was laughing a little bit about that. But uh, so we have this long weekend. Pregnancy goes wrong. Um, grandparents are there. Parents are there. She finally is, is born. Uh, we take her back to her room. We're trying to figure out life and what the heck we're going to do now with an actual newborn baby. And then uh, my parent, my mom and her mom, they go back to our house that night. I got a call at like one o'clock in the morning. And it was from, uh, they had just gone back to the house. My wife and I, baby, were still at the hospital. And my mother-in-law said, Seth, you got to come home. Um, your house has been robbed. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And so now I'm looking at my wife, who's just been through many, 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 many hours of an intense labor and then having her body physically cut open and to give birth to this child and I I didn't I didn't want to tell her that we'd been robbed 
but I also knew that it was going to be more involved than saying, hey, I'm going to go get a coffee and a newspaper at one in the morning. So I tell her she's sad. I drive to the house and these people, they had to have been watching our house. We lived in a not so good part of Nashville and they, they took, I mean, they took everything. They, they ransacked the place. It looked like a movie, you know, when you see somebody break in and, and intentionally make a mess. They took meat out of our fridge, ice. They took our trash cans, our computers. They took, um, they took the right shoes of my mom. So she had two or three pairs of shoes with her and they only took the right, the right foot from like three different pairs. So she was left with three pairs. It's not really a pair, three different left footed shoes. Uh, they took a bunch of her jewelry, um, and on and on the list goes, uh, they took the pocket watch that my dad gave me the day I got married. Um, that was his dad's that he had passed down as a family heirloom. And it wasn't like, it wasn't a real expensive kind of watch. Um, it really didn't have a lot of monetary value, but the, uh, sentimental value was, you know, of course, huge. They took that. Um, <clears throat> so we had to file a police report and all that stuff. And so the next day, uh, my mother-in-law went to the hospital to be with my wife and my newborn baby Ella. And I, uh, hung out, cleaned up the house some with my mom. And then we just decided, like, I had this idea, like what, we both wanted to get back to Florida and our families. What are we clinging to? I was mowing lawns. My wife had a long bit of maternity that we could rely on. And so I went to Jess Monday morning, right? Like less than 24 hours after she had just had a baby cut, taken out of her. And I, um, I said, let's move. Let, Cause this was the second time we'd been robbed, but not to this degree. Said, let's get out of here. Let's let's go to Florida and we'll figure life out. So we made the decision on Monday to move. On Tuesday, we, um, my mom and I, rented a U-Haul and began to pack the house. On Wednesday, we loaded the U-Haul. On Wednesday night, my wife and baby got out of the hospital, and then on Thursday morning, we drove from Nashville to Fort Myers, Florida, with a four-day-old. And so I remember having the thought when everything was happening, when I had uh, many hours to kill on the drive um, as we basically uprooted our life and my poor wife was having to stop every two hours to feed the infant. Um, I remember thinking, man, pretty much, oh, on top of that, when I was loading I had rented a dolly to pull the my truck on behind the U-Haul, and when I did, uh, it was a little Nissan pickup truck, and when I put it on there, I parked it, put it in gear, and then thought everything was fine. Well, driving down the road with the U-Haul, and with that being pulled, I felt like it was, a, it was pulling weird, only to realize that I forgot my truck was rear, rear wheel drive, and so it was in gear, so basically... I screwed up the entire transmission because I was dragging it in gear down the highway. So pretty much most of the things that could go wrong did go wrong. And it was just this very heavy time. And I remember thinking during my drive, 
after I figured out what was wrong with the truck, um, that I'm going to tell this story to this girl, this new baby girl, Ella Rose, that I think the only way to explain how everything bad happened on that weekend and how nothing really went right was that God used up all the good in the world on that weekend to bring her into this world. So there wasn't any good left to go around for anything else. And I remember thinking that and I thought, I'm going to tell her that story one day when she's old enough to maybe get it, maybe appreciate it, so that she knows just how much I love her and care for her and think of her. So I got to, sh I shared that story with her uh, a couple nights ago and I couldn't help but cry. I couldn't help but feel hurt for her. Um, and I just, it just made me think about all the people, maybe this is you, maybe this is not you, that we go through these moments in life where we really struggle with our sense of identity, where we go through this life and sometimes everything seems to be okay. And sometimes we think we've got it all figured out. And then we have these moments, you know, and maybe she was trying to cover something up. I don't know. But we have these moments where nothing, where we fail to see any good within ourselves. Maybe you've experienced this. Where we don't see the good, where we don't feel the love, where we're overwhelmed with a sense of lacking within our being. And so my heart, my heart just broke for her as her, as her dad. And as I began later to process this whole thing, my heart began to break for other people, other people that that go through a similar thing or that have been through a similar thing. And then on top of that, my heart began to break at the thought of, of God who looks at us the way that I look at my daughter and how he must be going through a great deal of heartbreak for us when we go through these moments as well. Like, I think for so long, it seems to me like so many people, we have this picture of a God who is supposed to be love. But what it feels like so many times when it comes to church rhetoric and language and a lot of the 
you know, evangelical religious stuff. It's like the God of love kind of takes a back seat to the God of justice. And it, and it, it, to me, it does this huge disservice to the nature of the divine. It does this huge disservice to us as humans in how a father would love a child, right? Because for her, she's going through this moment of wrestling and doubt and insecurities, and I just, I just can't convey to her adequately how much her dad loves her. That good, bad, or ugly, I can't not love her. I may get frustrated. I may get angry. I may have moments of joy. I may have moments of disappointment. But I can't, I can't not love her. Right? So, and, and, and beyond that, I see the potential in who she can be. I see the, the creative aspects of her. I see these brilliant moments of love and care that she's able to have for others when she wants to. I see how she has this stubbornness that if she can turn it to the good, I fully believe she will become a powerful force for good in the world. And so when I see and when I think and when I know and have all these ideas about who she is, and yet she fails to see them about herself, as a father, you can't help but weep a little. There's so much good in you. And I can't help but wonder if God feels the same way towards us. That he's looking at you, that he's looking at me, and he's going, man, you, you, my son, you, my daughter, are created in my image, created in the image of the divine. And there is so much good in you. Yeah, you got some other junk, but I'm aware of that. And I love you even still. And I see, I see what, what you are capable of, even though you can't see it. I, I can't help but wonder if it aches the heart of God as much as it aches my heart for my child that she doesn't see herself the way that I see her. And I don't know, I don't know what it takes 
to convince her otherwise. And I wonder if God's going to us, how, what else do I have to do? How can you not see it? I've created this incredible world for you to participate in, for you to join me in, in the ongoing, unfolding creation, for you to participate with me. The whole story of the Bible is about me, is about God wanting to come and be with his creation. How, how, how much more? I can't help but feel that it breaks God's heart when we don't see the potential and the good in ourselves. In the book of Romans, Paul says in Romans 8.38, he says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like, love is the fabric of the created order of that which is seen and unseen. And the Bible says you can't be separated from that. And yet still, I find myself on a weekly, monthly, bi-monthly basis, struggling with things like self-worth and value from time to time. Maybe this isn't where you're at today, but maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe this is one that you need to save and listen to in the future. Because the thing that that I want to tell my daughter, and I think probably even more so that God wants us to hear, is that I will never not love you. I will never not love you. And there is nothing that can prevent me from loving you. There is nothing There is nothing, there is nothing that can stop me from loving you. No matter what you think about yourself, what I see is the good. What I see is the light. What I see is the bits and pieces of myself in you. What I see is how creative you are. What I see is the love that you put on display in all these various ways. What I see 
is my child. What I see is my child. And so I say to you, my dear sweet Ella Rose, your dad loves you with all his heart. Your dad loves you with all his heart. And there's nothing that you can do that will make me stop loving you. You will always be my daughter and I will always cherish you. So maybe today is a message for my daughter, but maybe today a message is for you. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And I can't help but think that so often we miss this and we overlook this. And I think in doing so, I think we miss like the whole primary message of what the Bible was supposed to be. Maybe this is the snaky emu for today. The thing that's been in front of us the whole time that we overlook and fail to see. There's nothing that can separate you, my friends. All right, well, I said this was gonna be a heavy one. It was heavy for me. I don't know if it was heavy for you. This has been the Sneaky Emu, episode number 29. A message for my daughter, a message for you. Sending you all the love, and my hope and prayer for you is that you will understand that your Heavenly Father cannot not love you.